Chapter 19 of Recollections of the Civil War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Recollections of the Civil War by Charles Dana. Chapter 19 on to richmond at last the fall of the confederacy in richmond just after the evacuation a search for confederate archives lincoln's propositions to the virginians a meeting with the confederate assistant secretary of war andrew johnson turns up at richmond his views as to the necessity of punishing rebels the first sunday services at the confederate capital under the old flag news of lee's surrender reaches richmond back to washington with grant it was evident to all of us as the spring of eighteen sixty five came on that the war was drawing to a close sherman was coming northward from his triumphant march to the sea and would soon be in communication with grant who ever since i left him in july eighteen sixty four had been watching petersburg and richmond where lee's army was shut up at the end of march grant advanced on april first sheridan won the battle of five forks then on april second came the successful assaults which drove lee from petersburg on the morning of april third before i had left my house mr stanton sent for me to come immediately to the war department when i reached his office he told me that richmond had surrendered and that he wanted me to go down at once to report the condition of affairs i started as soon as i could get a steamboat roscoe conkling and my son paul accompanying me we arrived at city point early on april fifth little was known there of the condition of things in richmond there were but a few officers left at the place and those were overwhelmed with work i had expected to find the president at city point he having been in the vicinity for several days but mr lincoln had gone up to richmond the day before i started up the river immediately and reached the town early in the afternoon i went at once to find major general godfrey weitzel who was in command of the united states forces he was at his headquarters which were in jefferson davis's former residence i had heard down the river that davis had sold his furniture at auction some days before the evacuation but i found when i reached the house that this was a mistake the furniture was all there weitzel told me he had learned at three o'clock in the morning of monday april third that richmond was being evacuated he had moved forward at daylight first taking care to give his men breakfast in the expectation that they might have to fight he met no opposition and on entering the city was greeted with a hearty welcome from the mass of people the mayor went out to meet him to surrender the city but missed him on the road i took a walk around richmond that day to see how much the city was injured the confederates in retreating had set it on fire and the damage done in that way was enormous nearly everything between main street and the river for about three-quarters of a mile was burned the custom house in the Spotswood Hotel were the only important buildings remaining in the burned district. 
the block opposite the spotswood including the confederate war department building was entirely consumed the petersburg railroad bridge and that of the danville road were destroyed all the enemy's vessels excepting an unfinished ram which had her machinery in perfect order were burned the tredegar ironworks were unharmed libby prison and castle thunder had also escaped the fire immediately upon arriving i began to make inquiries about official papers i found that the records and documents of the department and of congress had generally been removed before the evacuation and that during the fire the capital had been ransacked and the documents there scattered in the rooms of the secretary of the senate and of the military committee of the house of representatives in the state house we found some papers of importance they were in various cases in drawers and all in great confusion they were more or less imperfect and fragmentary in the state engineer's office also there were some boxes of papers relating to the confederate works on the potomac around norfolk and on the peninsula i had all of these packed for shipment without attempting to put them in order and forwarded at once to washington general weitzel told me that he had found about twenty thousand people in richmond half of them of african descent he said that when president lincoln entered the town on the fourth he received a most enthusiastic reception from the mass of the inhabitants all the members of congress had escaped and only the assistant secretary of war judge john archibald campbell remained in the fallen capital of the confederacy most of the newspaper editors had fled but the whig appeared on the fourth as a union paper with the name of its former proprietor at its head the night after i arrived the theatre opened there was much suffering and poverty among the population the rich as well as the poor being destitute of food weitzel had decided to issue supplies to all who would take the oath in my first message to mr stanton i spoke of this he immediately answered please ascertain from general weitzel under what authority he is distributing rations to the people of richmond as i suppose he would not do it without authority and direct him to report daily the amount of rations distributed by his order to persons not belonging to the military service and not authorized by law to receive rations designating the color of the persons their occupation and sex mr stanton seemed to be satisfied when i wired him that weitzel was working under general ord's orders approved by general grant and that he was paying for the rations by selling captured property the important question which the president had on his mind when i reached richmond was how virginia could be brought back to the union he had already had an interview with judge campbell and other prominent representatives of the confederate government all they asked they said was an amnesty and a military convention to cover appearances slavery they admitted to be defunct the president did not promise the amnesty but he told them he had the pardoning power and would save any repentant sinner from hanging they assured him that if amnesty could be offered the rebel army would be dissolved and all the states return on the morning of the seventh five members of the so-called virginia legislature held a meeting to consider written propositions which the president had handed to judge campbell the president showed these papers to me confidentially they were two in number one stated reunion as a sine qua non the second authorized general weitzel to allow members of the body claiming to be the legislature of virginia to meet in richmond 
for the purpose of recalling virginia soldiers from the rebel armies with safe conduct to them so long as they did and said nothing hostile to the united states in discussing with me these documents the president remarked that sheridan seemed to be getting rebel soldiers out of the war faster than the legislature could think the next morning on april eighth i was present at an interesting interview between general weitzel and general shepley who had been appointed as military governor of richmond and a committee of prominent citizens and members of the legislature various papers were read by the virginian representatives but they were told plainly that no propositions could be entertained that involved a recognition of the confederate authorities the committee were also informed that if they desired to prepare an address to the people advising them to abandon hostility to the government at once and begin to obey the laws of the united states they should have every facility for its circulation through the state provided of course that it met the approval of the military authorities the two union generals said that if the committee desired to call a convention of the prominent citizens of the state with a view to the restoration of the authority of the united states government they would be allowed to go outside the lines of richmond for the purpose of visiting citizens in different parts of the state and inducing them to take part in a convention safe conduct was promised to them for themselves and such citizens as they could persuade to attend the convention they were also told that they were not able to find conveyances for themselves for the journey into the country horses would be loaned to them for that purpose all this they were informed was not to be considered as in any manner condoning any offence of which any individual among them might have been guilty judge campbell said that he had no wish to take a prominent part in the proceedings but that he had long since made up his mind that the cause of the south was hopeless he had written a formal memorial to jefferson davis immediately after the hampton roads conference urging him and the confederate congress to take immediate steps to stop the war and restore the union he had deliberately remained in richmond to meet the consequences of his acts he said that if he could be used in the restoration of peace and order he would gladly undertake any labor that might be desired of him the spirit of the committee seemed to be generally the same as judge campbell's though none of them equaled him in ability and clearness of thought and statement they were thoroughly conscious that they were beaten and sincerely anxious to stop all further bloodshed and restore peace law and order this mental condition seemed to me to be very hopeful and encouraging one day after the meeting of this committee i was in the large room downstairs of the spotswood hotel when my name was called and i turned around to see andrew johnson the new vice president of the united states he took me aside and spoke with great earnestness about the necessity of not taking the confederates back without some conditions or without some punishment he insisted that their sins had been enormous and that if they were let back into the union without any punishment the effect would be very bad he said they might be very dangerous in the future the vice president talked to me in this strain for fully twenty minutes i should think it was an impassioned earnest speech that he made to me on the subject of punishing rebels finally when he paused and i got a chance to reply i said why mr johnson i have no power in this case your remarks are very striking very impressive and certainly worthy of the most serious consideration but it does not seem to me necessary that they should be addressed to me 
they ought to be addressed to the president and to the members of congress to those who have authority in the case and who will finally have to decide this question which you raise mr dana said he i feel it to be my duty to say these things to every man whom i meet whom i know to have any influence any man whose thoughts are considered by others or whose judgment is going to weigh in the case i must speak to so that the weight of opinion in favor of the view of this question which i offer may possibly become preponderating and decisive that was in april when mr johnson became president not long after he soon came to take entirely the view which he condemned so earnestly in this conversation with me toward the end of the first week after we entered richmond the question about opening the churches on sunday came up i asked general weitzel what he was going to do he answered that all the places of worship were to be allowed to be open on condition that no disloyalty should be uttered and that the episcopal clergyman should read the prayer for the president of the united states but the next day general shepley the military governor came to me to ask that the order might be relaxed so that the clergy should be required only not to pray for davis i declined giving any orders having received none from washington and said that weitzel must act in the matter entirely on his own judgment judge campbell used all his influence with weitzel and shepley to get them to consent that a loyal prayer should not be exacted weitzel concluded not to give a positive order his decision was influenced by the examples of new orleans norfolk and savannah where he said the requirement had not been at first enforced in a greater measure however his decision was the result of the president's verbal direction to him to let the people down easy the churches were all well filled on sunday the ladies especially attending in great numbers the sermons were devout and not political the city was perfectly quiet and there was more security for persons and property than had existed in richmond for many months on monday morning the news of lee's surrender reached us in richmond it produced a deep impression even the most intensely partisan women now felt that the defeat was perfect and the rebellion finished while among the men there was no sentiment but submission to the power of the nation in a returning hope that their individual property might escape confiscation they all seemed most keenly alive to this consideration and men like general anderson the proprietor of the tredegar works were zealous in their efforts to produce a thorough pacification and save their possessions the next morning i received from mr stanton in order to proceed to general grant's headquarters and furnish from there such details as might be of interest it was at this time that i had an interesting talk with grant on the condition of lee's army and about the men and arms surrendered he told me that in the long private interview which he had had with lee at appomattox the latter said that he should devote his whole efforts to pacifying the country and bringing the people back to the union lee declared that he had always been for the union in his own heart and could find no justification for the politicians who had brought on the war the origin of which he believed to have been in the folly of extremists on both sides the war lee declared had left him a poor man with nothing but what he had upon his person and his wife would have to provide for herself until he could find some employment the officers of lee's army grant said all seemed to be glad that it was over and the men still more so than the officers all were greatly impressed by the generosity of the terms finally granted to them for at the time of the surrender 
they were surrounded and escape was impossible general grant thought that these terms were of great importance toward securing a thorough peace and undisturbed submission to the government i returned to washington with general grant reaching there the thirteenth and taking up my work in the department at once End of chapter 19 Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida